0: Well, good morning, <clears throat> hope everybody's doing all right. You doing okay? Yeah, you should be after that lineup of music. And even if you weren't as you came in, you should be doing just a little bit better because that gives you perspective. So nonetheless, it was very good this morning and I hope you're doing well. Um, I uh, was, I look through the internet every now and then for certain things that are wholesome Feel like I need to qualify that, and um, and so I ran across this church sign this week. God may be watching, but cops have radar. Oh, do you feel guilty now? Because is, is that is that the problem? Yeah, cops have have radar. In in that right, Tate. That's right. That's exactly right. Cops have radar. Um, so I also. I really don't watch regular TV anymore. Um, I can't remember the last time I watched regular TV, but I I watch YouTube and there's certain things I watch on YouTube. And oftentimes I'll look up like Epic fails because I feel better when I watch people that are failing worse than I do, that that are making bigger mistakes than I would make. You know what I mean? And, And it's just a lot of fun. So here's one of them, it begins with eggs. Yeah, as if you didn't see that coming, right? The next one is a parenting fail. Now, this, this kid all by themselves, right? And um, decided to go after something. So, so here's the next. Next one. Yeah, and it isn't over. So then there's the parent. And obviously it's a very sterile environment so they could take off the mask, <laughs> the plexiglass between them and them too. But that, <laughs> that's kind of like, do you remember those commercials in the 80s when we were all watching TV and it was a roach motel, roach, roaches check in, but they don't check out. Do you remember that? That's not that the girl is a roach, but that's what I thought about. You, I don't know how you get out of that. All right, this one is about a dog, and I had to really ask my wife why this was funny. I did think portions of it was funny, but I was trying to figure out exactly why this was a fail. Um, so anyway, here it is. The
1: garden. Okay, so we're gonna run go around the garden, okay? This way, this, not that way, we're gonna go this way. This way, take it, take it, take it, man, take take
0: Obviously something else that dog wanted, right? So, all right. So this one is the last one and it is one of my current favorites of, of, of this particular season of 2021. And here it is right here. <laughs> we need to see that again. I just want to see <laughs> every time this is good. Let's, let's play that again. Can you go back? Here we go. <laughs> and did you see the guy in the corner? There's a guy in the corner. <laughs> Slowly moving out of the way. That is absolutely hilarious. absolutely hilarious. All right. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Verse 1. And um, this is what it says The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. And that is a moment where you, you stop because that, that's a pretty significant statement. Somebody died, they drew before the Lord, and they died. The first question that comes to your mind is, why do you die when you draw near to the Lord? And what you soon realize is that that is a nod to Leviticus chapter 10, verses one through three. And this is what it says. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, And laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So chapter 16 opens with failure lingering in the air. Something has happened. These guys approached the Lord. They approached him incorrectly. They did not do it correctly. They didn't do it as Moses told Aaron to do, which Aaron told the sons to do. There was something not correct about this, and they went and they approached the Lord and they died. And so failure is lingering in the air. Chapter 16 and chapter 10 are the same day, it's the day of atonement. And so these people died and was carried out of the tabernacle area and actually out of the camp is is what happened. So this failure is lingering in the air. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had failure lingering in your air? Have you ever done something and failure just kind of lingers and it's on your shoulders? Have you ever done something and the weight of that just kind of gets on your shoulders and it beats you down? Like you acted like an idiot I mean, I know some people don't like that word idiot, but let's just be honest. We have all acted like idiots, it, right? I mean, at some point there's something that we've done that's just, I cannot believe I did that. And so here is, here is this, and, and there's just this weight on the shoulders. There is failure lingering in the air. And can I be turned on just a little bit? Um, and um, people around you, tend to help that failure linger. You might be married to those people, okay? And, and you, you might actually have grew, grown up with those people. It could have been your dad, it could have been your mom. I don't know who it was, but, but failure always lingering. Or it could be a friend that helps you and that failure lingering in the air and they remind you of what you've done in your past. They remind you of the way that you failed and it just kind of lingers in the air. But it's not only people around you that cause failure to linger, that cause that guilt to be on your shoulders. You allow that to happen in your life as well. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I will wake up, well, middle of the night, 3 a.m. It, I don't know why, it's 3 a.m. It's always 3 a.m. when this happens. 3 a.m. How do I know that? Because I can't really see without my contacts. Because I have a clock on the top of my my ceiling that tells me the time. It's huge. Nicole didn't like it at first, but now she loves it. But it's a, it's a clock. So 3 a.m. always wakes up. And and there's just Philip, you're you're just an idiot, you're a moron. This is what you did in the past. You're not worthy to even serve God. I mean it's just this constant berating of failure. Don't you remember when you did this in your past? This makes you unqualified. This makes you somebody that, that should not be in your position. And it just it's just a berate. So you can actually remind yourself of failure and have that failure linger in the air as well, right? And sometimes we, you and I are our worst enemy, right? And And we often hear people say stuff that we've done wrong and then we internalize it. And when we internalize it, the guilt gets on our shoulders and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Now you and I both know that when you sin, there's often consequences to that sin. If someone cheats, there's gonna be consequences to that sin. If someone kills someone, there's gonna be consequences to that sin. Those people are placed in a prison and in prison, they have to live there, bars, even though they've asked forgiveness, even though they've gotten the grace of God. Um, Interestingly enough, some people say, well, people in prison just get saved so that they can make parole, so that they can get out earlier. Well, I would submit to you that number one, we really don't know who gets saved. And number two, Um, there are people in prison that actually receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And there's people in prison that actually are doing it just to get out early. I mean, that happens. But let me go one step further and say, there are people in church that get saved because they don't want their mom to continue to nag them about it. And then there's people in church that get saved because they really meet Jesus and Jesus has drawn them to salvation and they've accepted that invitation of salvation. So let's not be too hard on prisoners when the church is a mirror image. There are just some people that have prisons that don't look like bars and walls. It's different. And so here's, here's people getting saved and there's consequences and consequences. Consequences is something that you have to deal with. They are never gone. If you're in prison, it's never gone. But what can be gone is that failure that's lingering in the air and that, and that guilt that's on your shoulders of what you've done wrong. That can actually be lifted. You may have to deal with the consequences but, of prison, but you can get freedom and forgiveness of sins. You know, other ways that... Um, Things linger in there. When people betray, there's consequences to that. When we betray each other, there's consequences to friendships. And so where is there are consequences, oftentimes uh, failure lingers in the air and it really gets heavy and it really gets on our shoulders and we kind of live with it and eternalize it and keep it with us. So what are we to do about that? What are we to do when we are just not good enough? When we think we are just not good enough? What do we do when we internalize that fear and we're reminded of it and failure uh, hangs in the balance? All right, so, Leviticus 16 actually gives us the answer to that question. It's called called atonement. Atonement is a covering of sin and atonement is also the freeing of guilt. And this is how it worked. you took a day off. Took a day off from work from, from anything that would distract you from the tabernacle. And what you did is you watched what was happening at the tabernacle. You actually turned yourself and watched the smoke, smelled the smells, went through in your mind, what was happening in the tabernacle on the day of atonement. If you had a child, you would pass this information on to the child. So let's just for kicks, call this child Johnny. Is that okay with everybody? It's not really a Levitical name, um, but we're going to say Johnny, just for the sake of your speaker who can't pronounce some of the Old Testament names. Okay? So Johnny, Johnny, come up here. Yeah. What's today, Daddy? Why aren't you working? Well, I'm not working because today is the day of atonement. It's a very important day. It's a very important day. Well, what's so important about it? Well, it is the day that God has made a promise that his presence Will be with us. And so Leviticus chapter sixteen verse two says this, and the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> "Tell Aaron your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die, for I will appear in the crowd over in the cloud over the mercy seat. I will appear. It is the promise." of God's presence. So Johnny, this is a day that God has promised to be here. If we follow this certain method, if we stop and if we watch and if the priest does what he's supposed to do, God says that his presence will be with us. Aren't you glad that he has also made that promise to you and me? That when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. As our Savior, he indwells us permanently, immediately, that God from that point on is with us in everything that we do. We might ignore him sometimes, right? But he's still with us and his presence is here and we have to follow his set of rules in order for his presence to be with us. And here is our rules and actually the picture of what the tabernacle was. It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death on the cross and the shedding of his blood to cover our sins. It is his resurrection and our acceptance by faith of that that enables him to live inside of us. There is no other way for the presence of God to be with you on a permanent basis than for you to be saved. And it's that one path, that one path of salvation. This means, ladies and gentlemen, that you cannot come to God on your own terms. The next, day about the, day, the next thing about the day of atonement is this. Johnny, let me tell you what the high priest is about to do. The high priest is about to take a ram and he's about to sacrifice his for his sins and his family's sins. He is gonna take that blood and he's gonna walk into the Holy of Holies and he's gonna sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. If he survives he will be able to make atonement for our sins as as the next step. If he survives the approach to the mercy seat. See, you and I often think of mercy as something that's great and it's good and it's absolutely amazing. And I'm not arguing against that. But what we often forget is mercy is as dangerous as it is good. If you approach God your own way, with your own set of rules, mercy becomes dangerous for you. God has a way of approach and it's through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get to heaven. This means that the Mormon way to get to heaven is wrong and it's dangerous. And that is when mercy becomes dangerous. It's when someone decides to live their own way rather than God's way, follow something else, another set of rules besides the blood of Jesus, that is the moment that mercy becomes dangerous. In fact, I'm working on a sermon about the dangers of mercy. Never had thought of it before until this this series, but mercy is very dangerous. And it's also extremely good, extremely good. So the dangers of mercy. So they're watching on the day of atonement. Johnny, look. The fire over the altar, he's making his sacrifice. Let's just give it a few minutes and see if he makes it. He goes into the Holy of Holies. A little bit later, Johnny comes in and he says, hey, dad, there's fire again at the altar. And the dad says, that's good, son, because he's made it. He has made himself to where he is acceptable to God so that he can offer the next sacrifice that will cover our sins. And so there's two goats. There's one goat here and one goat here, and a lot is cast. and the lot that is cast on one of the goats is the goat that will be offered for the sins of all the people in the nation of Israel will be offered for them. And so he goes and the smoke you see right now, Johnny is that smoke of he's already killed the lamb, got the blood. The the goat, I'm sorry, not a lamb. The goat is burning on the altar and that's the smoke that you see. And the next thing we're going to see is smoke coming out of the Holy of Holies. And that means that our sins are atoned for our sins are covered. So they wait and they watch, and the smoke comes out of the Holy of Holies, and there's just a feeling of my sins for the past year are covered by the blood. They're covered by the sacrifice of something that didn't deserve to die, that died in my place for me, that took my punishment for me. And that, of course, is a picture to us of Jesus Christ. See, we can't do anything to cover our sins, only God can. And he did that through his blood. And so we watch it. So this this happens. And then the father tells Johnny, he says, look, look, Johnny, this is what's gonna happen now. He's the the high priest, he's gonna come out. And you know, that goat that's still alive, the lucky goat. (laughs) He's gonna lay his hands on him. And he's gonna start praying, confessing the sins of the people. All the iniquities are gonna be laid on the shoulders of this goat. All the iniquities, all the weight of the sin that they've committed, all the guilt and the pain that they feel in their hearts is gonna be laid upon this goat symbolically. He's gonna pray it, it's gonna lay there. And then after that, there is a guy that is gonna take the goat through the camp. And we'll be able to see this goat as it marches through the camp. In fact, it's it's a one goat parade. And we watch for that goat and we watch that goat go out of the camp and we watch that goat disappear because what's get, being taught here, Johnny, is that your sins are covered by the blood, but also you no longer have to bear the guilt of them any longer. And as that goat disappears, so does your guilt and your despair and the heaviness of what you have done. Leviticus 16, verses 21 through 22 says this. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. He shall put them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness." The goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. The guilt and the shame of sin was also put on Jesus Christ for in Isaiah chapter 53, it says this, all we like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus Christ rose out of that grave and went to heaven and made His sacrifice in the heavenly places, he took our guilt and shame with us, and it is gone. It's gone. There's no need for us to bear it anymore. It is covered by his blood and he has taken it away and it is gone. And the symbolic nature is we're watching a goat take our guilt and shame away from us, which is the result of our sins being covered. Let me tell you something. You don't want that goat to come back to the camp. Right? Some of you do. You don't want that goat to come back to the camp. That's why it disappears. That's why somebody takes it to the middle of the wilderness and leaves it there and and makes sure that it's not following them back to the camp. See, you and I have people that like to go get the goat and bring it back into our lives. They, They bring it back. Here's the goat, right? They like to bring that back, but the goat is never supposed to enter back into the camp. In other words, once your guilt and shame is gone, it should be gone permanently, permanently. Isn't that great? You don't want that goat to come back. So, I got some stuff on this paper right here. So, when that person reminds you of what you have done, not because of a consequence of sin, but they remind you so that they can rub it in your face. When they come to you with that accusation and they're rubbing that in your face, it's nothing to do with consequences, just they're rubbing it in your face and they're making you feel bad about it. And they're making that guilt just be heavy on your shoulders. This is what you do. Um, where is that goat?
1: He's gone. He's
0: gone. Yeah, he's gone. When someone comes up to you and says, such and such did this, such and such did that. I recently had this happen to me. Um, I was with a group, friends of mine, and we were discussing on voting on the new, um, I call it the CEO of the North Carolina Southern Baptist Convention. It's the CEO, this guy that runs the, it's actually the executive director treasurer, something, 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 because Southern Baptist cannot just name something simply so you can remember it. That's why we have acronyms, right? So we were talking about this guy, and, and what came up over and over in these conversations was he had a DUI, he had a DUI, he had a DUI. And so, you know, for me, that, that's kind of concerning. Like, you don't want the director of missions over the state of North Carolina for Southern Baptist to be caught in Raleigh drinking right? Like drunk. y'all looking at me like, are you, I don't want him to be caught that said that way. I mean, I think there's a higher thing. So what I did, and I'm not always this good. So don't, don't read too much into this. Perfect Philip doesn't exist. Trust me. So, so what I did was I called around and I got his number and I asked him that question. We had a 35 minute conversation. I asked him that question. I said, look, I've heard that you had a DUI. And he said, how do you know that? I said, well, I just just heard it. He said, well, that doesn't come up on my background check. Because that happened when I was in college, before I was saved. And actually, three years after that moment, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Five years after that, I was called into ministry. And I've been serving God faithfully for 17 years and haven't had a drop. So back up. I revisit my friends again. And they're bringing this DUI thing up. I say, look guys, this happened before he was saved. Do you really want people to go that back, far that back in your life and bring that up in your church so that you're disqualified from being a pastor? Absolutely not. And in the back of my mind, because I was preparing for this, I was saying, where is that
1: goat? He's gone.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, If I went back to a point in time in your history and found that sin that you cover up for a very long period of time, it doesn't matter. You are saved. It is covered by the blood. That goat,
1: he's gone.
0: He's gone. Quit carrying that stuff around. Quit carrying that stuff around. You see, Satan often brings that stuff up to you at three in the morning. And you wake up and he says, "Uh, Philip, blah, 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 you did blah, 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 because I don't want you to know what he brings up to my mind. I just don't want you to know that. So at that moment when he does that, since I prepared this message, this is what I do. I get up out of my bed, I look up underneath, and I say, Satan, where is that goat?
1: He's gone.
0: He's gone, and I can go to sleep. You see, Satan comes sometimes and he tells you that you are bad and you are worthless and you what you have done is not redeemable and, and blah, blah, blah. But Satan is fighting against the power of a resurrected Christ that shed his blood to cover your sin and took your guilt to heaven and it's gone. And he knows it. And he's being a goat himself. So when he comes and he says that stuff to you, you say back to him, hey, devil. He's um, gone. Can't find that goat. I cannot find that goat.
1: He's gone.
0: Yeah, he's gone. So when your friends come up to you and they try to drag you back, into the sins of your past. And don't tell me they don't do that because I have been to what's called and I just left what it was called. Oh, a class reunion, a class reunion. Have you been to those? Don't tell me, don't tell me if you have. I'm telling you that I am not really sure why we always have to have these class reunions at a bar. Are we really trying to tell people that the way we partied in high school is the way that we are now? Are we really trying to say we are no better than that at 48 years old? Are we saying that we haven't left that stuff behind? Really? We haven't left that stuff behind? Is that what we're saying? So we have to go back and prove to people how much we can drink and how much we can smoke because there's more than drinking going on at these things. Oh, come on, Is it, yours has to be this way. Am I wrong? I mean, you're looking at me like I have three heads. I'm not a goat, I'm just telling you. Yours has to be the same way. There's these people that are trying to prove that they're still part of the world and they're still cool and they're still high school wise. Listen, when they're trying to drag you back into that, this is what you do in your mind. Um, that goat, I've been looking for him where is he at?
1: He's gone.
0: And then you just don't go. I'm wondering why we just can't bring our families to a stinking picnic at Rich Park or something and just have casserole. I won't eat, but bring your casseroles and bring your chicken, right? I'll bring my, I'll bring my, my, Pepsi, I mean, why can't we go to a park and have Coke and actually, not that kind of Coke, Coca-Cola, <laughs> all right? Coca, why can't we just do that and talk about what are you doing in your life? What are your children doing? How are they growing? Where are they in school? What have you done with your life? I don't need, we don't need to see the depths of depravity. We need to see what you've made of yourself coming out of that into Maturity. Come on, church. So, when your friends come and they try to drag you back into that, you need to stop a moment and say, Wait a minute, I'm, where is that goat?
1: He's gone. And
0: to be honest with you, every temptation that comes your way that is a playbook from your past, that is the moment you say, Wait a minute. I've left that life life behind. That goat has left the building. I cannot find him because
1: he's gone.
0: Mm. Isn't that good? That is good. That is good. Here's the last one. You did something 20 years ago to your family. I don't know what it is did something 20 years ago to your family and it was bad. 20 years ago, you made it right. It might've took you a little while to get to everybody, but you made it right. You see, I'm sorry. You've you showed your family that you've changed. And there's a, a reunion. And Aunt, Ms. Better Than You shows up. Thank you. Because we all have them. And she comes up to you and reminds you of that thing that you've done. And, and you've already asked forgiveness and you're so far beyond that that you have never done it. But she likes to label you because Ms. Aunt Better Than You wants to make sure that she is the queen of the family and she is the best of the family and she's the nicest of the family and she's the most perfect of the family. Right, am I describing anybody in your family? So she comes up to you and she brings that up. This is what you need to tell her. And she won't have a clue what you're saying. And you need to be comfortable with that because let me tell you something, she doesn't have a clue anyway. She doesn't have a clue anyway. So when she starts coming up, says, wait a minute, Aunt. Um, that goat you're
1: talking about. He's gone.
0: Thank you for your time. And you move on. You go get some cupcakes, some cake, some pie. If she follows you, get a cream pie, smack that sucker right in her face, (laughs) and just be done with it. He is gone. The hymn writer will put it like this, and I want you to sing this with me. You know this hymn. This is how he puts it. aren't you thankful for that? You do not have to carry those burdens any longer. Jesus Christ has carried them for you. Let his shoulders handle them because they are strong enough and be free. Be free to live. Be free to follow him. Be free to be full of the Holy Spirit and do things for him and live for him each day. And do not let people bring goats in your life because they are gone. The goat has left the building. Listen, this will help your marriage. This will help your marriage. When your spouse brings up something to you, well, let's reverse that a moment. When you bring something up to your spouse, you know, because we all have good memories of all the bad things, right? We might not remember what we had for supper the night before, but we can remember when Nicole did something like five years ago, right? And when you are tempted to bring up that particular instance now, That particular instance that they've apologized for, they've asked God forgiveness for, and the goat is gone. It is time for you that is tempted to say, hey, that goat has left me. It has left our relationship. It has left my home. I will not bring it up. It is gone. And when they bring up something to you and they bring up the past, it is time to say, hey, I'm not trying to be smart here, but can we just wait a moment, moment, honey? I've lost a goat.
1: He's gone. He's gone.
0: gone. Yeah, he's gone. He gone. That goat is gone. You see, your marriage, if you are bringing and dredging up stuff from the past And bringing that goat back into it or all of those goats back in it is not healthy. The promise of the cross is you can leave it all in your past. There are consequences you have to deal with, yes. But you leave the guilt, you leave the despair, you leave the unforgiveness in your past and you go forward with a clean slate. You might have to deal with the consequences, but you go forward with a clean slate. It helps your marriage. Quit bringing goats into your house. Amen? Amen? Quit doing it. The problems of today are enough without dealing with the problems of the past. Problems of the day are enough. It's just enough. Something else. There's some, of, some of us in this room that just hold on to something, right? We hold on to something and we just can't let it go. It's time for you to say in your mind, that goat is gone. I need to let that go. That goat is gone. That goat is gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone gone." until it's gone. And you leave it in the past. So we're going to wrap up with this. First, there might be someone in this room that has never experienced the freeing power of salvation. You put in your faith in Jesus Christ to the punishment for your sins on the cross and shed his blood to cover it in forgiveness. A God who says, I'm coming to you so that you can dwell with me and I can have a relationship with you. You may have never put your faith in a God that loves you that much. Today is your day. It's time to come to him and say, I'm a sinner. I believe that you paid the price for those sins on the cross. And I'm coming to you in faith, save my soul. And I guarantee you, he will do that today. The Greatest thing about God is this. <clears throat> well, it's not the greatest thing. It's a great thing about God. Is that I can sin, <clears throat> ask forgiveness for it, and he wipes the slate clean. It seems like an ignorant thing to do, but in his grace and mercy, he does it. And then if I mess up again, I can ask forgiveness and he'll wipe the slate clean. He's always saying, Philip, let's try this again. Let's try this again. And you get multiple do-overs. If you come to Christ, you have freedom. Not freedom to sin, but freedom to know that anytime you mess up, you can take care of the guilt and despair that you're carrying around in your heart and you can let it go. And finally, your heart can be free and not a stone. It's an amazing thing. Second, there's some people in this room that keep bringing up sins to other people. This altar is gonna be open to you today. You need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry for bringing goats back into people's lives. I'm sorry for that. And I'm going to not do that anymore to the best of my ability. And with your power, I'm gonna say these goats are gone. I will not bring it up to those people. Again, I will deal with the consequences of whatever has happened because I'll have to do that but I am not going to lay on the guilt. I'm not going to lay on the pain to someone else because ladies and gentlemen, I don't don't know why we do that anyway. Are we really better than God? Every time we lay guilt on somebody's shoulders, we are saying we're better than God. It is time to let those go. There may be some of you in the room today that has something on your shoulders that you have done and you've asked forgiveness for it, but you haven't got release from your guilt, it's time to hit the altar and say, Lord, I've asked forgiveness, but today I'm saying it's gone. The guilt is gone. The shame is gone. Thank you for bearing that on your shoulders. I want to be free. And the altar is open for you. So whenever how God is moving your heart this morning, the altar will be open for you. You can do it right there in your seat as well. But you spend time with God and make sure that failure is not lingering in the air when you leave those doors. My desire is for everybody in this room to say, he's gone, the goat has left the building, and when I leave out of those doors today, I'm leaving a free man or a free woman in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for the say that you've given us. And thank you for your mercy. And I know because there's people in this room at some level. There's a certain amount of them that is holding guilt on their shoulders. And I pray today by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'll enable them to be free of that. To say, he's gone. It's gone. I'm not going to bear it anymore. For the people in this room that seems to have an attitude toward other people because of what they've done wrong and they just can't let it go, I pray in their minds they'll be able to let it go and say that goat is gone I'm going to leave that alone I'm not going to bring it up anymore I'm not going to be the agent of guilt for someone else and then ask forgiveness for doing that also pray for the ones in the room that you've moved in a different way I pray that you give them freedom. I pray that everybody that leaves today will leave with the weight lifted off of their shoulders in a fresh a fresh experience of you. So we ask all these things we pray in Jesus name. Amen.